Thanks for joining us at White Oak for this week's podcast as we look at how God's servants applied that confidence in their walk with Him. Our prayer is that this will encourage and strengthen your walk. So here we go. Hallelujah. Give the Lord of glory a hand of praise. Hallelujah. When you praise the Lord, the presence of the Lord comes down. Amen. Look over at someone next to you this morning before you're seated and say, so long. Hallelujah. Greetings in the name of our Lord today. Hallelujah. Praise God. As we're seated today, I'm going to try to be as prompt as I can. You will notice that White Oaks floor mats will never be the same. Any service you come, you'll never see the same floor mat anymore. But you will always receive the Word of God. We may have more of this, a little less of this, in between of this, but when it's all said and done, we will leave here with the Word of God in our hearts. I have a very controversial subject today. Not that Pentecost is controversial. I have no problem in the Old Testament, as Grace explained to you this morning, the meaning of Pentecost in the Old Testament. But when we roll over into the New Testament, we have a lot of complications sometimes. And if there's something that our world needs today, and let me say, if there's something that our church needs today, we need the peace of God that passes all understanding of mankind when it comes to his scripture. I was sitting there this morning in the first class, Johnson's class, and, I was, and the, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. And as I get started, I want to share with you what he said, but maybe this will help you understand a little bit. You know... The, the Holy Spirit of God, I believe I differ, even with my charismatic Pentecostal friends, I differ with them. Um, so I know I differ with many of the other uh, denominations. But I believe there's three, three departures of the Holy Spirit in our life. The Bible tells us in Genesis when God breathed into man the breath of life, we are made up of triune. We have a spirit. So we have a spirit already within us that God put there. God put that spirit in us. But we have, we have doomed that spirit. We have marred, scarred the spirit that God put within us. Then there's another movement of time of the spirit of God. And that's when Jesus was in the upper room with his, his disciples. And even stories in the Bible were told that many people were baptized under John's baptism, which we realize is a water baptism. And when they would come and ask and question if they had heard of the Holy Spirit, you know, if they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, they said, well, we've not even as much as heard of the, the Holy Spirit. And his disciples, his disciples also, whom he chose, all 12 men, one forsaking him, denying him. All those men, they had never, they had had the first, they had had that little peace, that little spirit of God placed in them. And then they had the honor there as, as Jesus had communed with them and been with them, the honor of Jesus breathing on them the Holy Spirit. But then there's one more, one more, and that is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The breath of God, and God, he showed me this when I was there, and I want you to do this with me if you can. The Word of God teaches us that you cannot see the Spirit of God. Well, the Bible says God is a spirit. We have to worship Him in spirit and truth. We don't see Him. So then when we look at the Holy Spirit of God, you know, nobody's ever seen God. I've never seen the Spirit of God. 
I've never seen Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But then he said the Spirit of God is like a wind, just like a wind. You know, you can't see, but yet you can, you can feel it. And you can see the effects of it. You can see the effects of it. And that's what's happening in, in the upper room because there were 120, and I often wondered what happened to the 380. You know, there were 500. The 380 is like so many in churches today. They're, they were behind. They're, they're kind of like it would have happened with a, a, Elisha. If he stayed behind, he would have never received his double portion of anointing from God. Oh, I have so much to share with you. This is a series, but I want to get you to the important part. So the Holy Spirit is, is like the breath of God. It's like when the movement of the wind, when you can see the trees going backwards and, and forward. Now let me carry you one more step. Now do this. Well, I won't look and you don't look, okay? Let's just bow our heads for a moment, all right? Now, with our heads bowed, let's close our eyes a minute. And I want to carry you back in time, if I may, this morning to when Jesus had resurrected and he was there with his disciples, all but one, Thomas, he was not present. And then all of a sudden we move forward and, and Jesus is gone and Thomas, as they mingle with him the next week, he said, I won't believe that. Keep our eyes closed. Because Thomas said, I won't believe that unless I see him. Unless I see him. A week had passed by and... The disciples with Thomas' presence now is back. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks into the room. And everybody is astonished. They looked again at Jesus, but more so is Thomas. And he, he then believes. He sees him. And he believes. And now Jesus is questioning Thomas. And he says, Thomas, he says, do you believe? He said, I believe. And he says, no, Thomas, i got to make a real believer out of you. I want you to touch the prints in my hands, my feet, my side. I want you to touch that, Thomas. I want to make a real believer out of you. And he does that. Now, my friend, church, lift your head and open your eyes. But Thomas, there's something I want to say to you. Well, blessed are those that believe and they have never seen. What Thomas was about to receive was God touching his life and believing, but because he saw it. My friend, we will never see the Holy Spirit. Never see the, but we will see the effect. And the day of Pentecost, 50. The day of Pentecost was given to the church. We already have the Spirit of God in us. We got saved and the breath of God was blown upon us. But the church is lacking the power today to be effective as it should in our world. That's why we stumble, we mumble, we grumble, and we fall. It's because we do not have the fire of God. I'm not talking about the world. The world does not recognize him. Jesus says the world does not even recognize him. And the situation we're in, you watch the news, the world does not even acknowledge God because it has its own God. 
its own God. So Pentecost is a day that God gave unto you and I, the church, the authority and the power. Go all the way back, closing in Matthews, and we, you can see that. God gave us the authority in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, cast out demons. In the name of Jesus, rebuke those things that come against God. In the name of Jesus, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In the name of Jesus, everything happens through by the name of Jesus. But that's your authority. He gave the key to the kingdom of God to Peter. And he said, Peter, Peter, nothing will be able to stand against you. Nothing. I give unto you the keys of the kingdom of God. It's the power of God. What is salvation? It's the power of God unto salvation. So we have the authority of God, but yet also we have the power. And authority without power is no good. Authority would remain just a word if we did not have power to, to back it up. In the book of Acts, he teaches us that we are to be able to preach the word with boldness. How can we preach the word of God? How can you teach? How can you witness to someone how many people have I been around? Church people that said, I would love to witness to my parents or to my friends, but I can't. I'm afraid. I will lose them. I'm ashamed of Jesus. I really, I mean, I like what Jesus has done, but I'm ashamed to share him with somebody else because they may feel different about me. That's why we need the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That's why we need the power of the Holy Ghost. The authority is not enough. We need the power to execute the authority that God has given us. We need to be able to lay hands on people and pray for them in the name of Jesus that they recover. I heard someone say this week, said, you know, if I lay hands on somebody and I pray for them and they recover, glory be to God. But if I lay hands on somebody and pray for them and nothing happens, shame on me. Shame on me. We go from the upper room, from a time of spending of a communion, breaking bread, drinking the cup, and feet washing to teach us servanthood. And we leave that and we go unto the commissioning of God. To the commissioning of God that he brought to the body of believers, his disciples who believed in him. He commissioned us with, with authority. He commissioned us with power. He gave unto us the Holy Spirit to be in us. He gave them the Holy Spirit to be in them, not upon them, not like Samson. He would wish himself and the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him. Not that way, my friend, but that the Spirit of God may come within us, that we will be filled with the purpose of God in our life. Why God left you and I here? Why God wants us here? That is the purpose of our life, you know. And that purpose was that he could save people. That he could change people's life. That the church could penetrate a sinful area. And our world today is, is so sinful. And we need to penetrate our world today. Go with me quickly to Acts Chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, and follow along with me. And they all were amazed and marveled, saying, 
one to another, Behold, are not these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own language wherewith we, listen, we were born. In other words, our own nationality. Our own nationality. Drop down to verse 11. Cretes, Arabians, we do hear them speak in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. Now, let me, different than what other people say again, on the day of Pentecost, in the upper room, when the fire of God fell upon the disciples and it was like the cloven tongues, it was like the fire upon Mount Sinai that came and yet it was within a bush and it was not consumed and there was smoke but there was fire there also and the man of God there and he received a revelation from God. We need to see a revelation from God. Drop with me quickly to verse 37 this morning and let's read on chapter 2 of the book of Acts. Now, when they heard these things, they were pricked in their hearts. And you know, that's why the Holy Spirit was sent, to prick our hearts. To prick our heart, convict us of our sin. That was one of the reasons of the Holy Spirit coming. They were pricked in their hearts. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we, we need a world today that is so perplexed, so complex, so lost. We needed to come to the church and say, what can we do to get back on track? What must we do? Verse 38, Peter said, said, repent. That's what our world needs. That's what our nation needs today. It needs a true repentance unto God. We got leadership today that needs repentance. We got it on the local level and on the national level and on the world level. There's leadership that needs repentance. But it'll never come until we Christians truly repent before our Father in heaven. Listen to what he said in 30, 30, 38 here. And it goes on to say, and he says, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Gift. Well, I will not leave you comfortless. I will send unto you a comforter. A gift. Do you have that gift? Listen, 39. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to that afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And the last time I read the scripture, it said it's not God's wish, not God's desire that any should perish, but they would come to the knowledge of the truth. That is the calling of God, and he calls unto us to by the precious Holy Spirit of God. But I really want to emphasize, let's go on 40. And, and many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourself from this untoward generation. Crooked. Save yourself from We are in a crooked generation today. 41 says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and that same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So all we have to do is do what God called us to do. Be bold enough to share the gospel with somebody. If they will ever get saved, they've got to hear the word of God. Because without hearing the word of God, they will never be able. That's why he said his word would be preached, it would be taught, it would be witnessed throughout the world, and then the end would come. It's impossible to get saved. 
Because he said it's through the foolishness of the preaching of the word of God whereby man can be saved. Two things, church, he asked us to do. And we toss the Holy Spirit around like he's a ball. Number one, he says, church, never quench the Spirit of God. Never quench the Spirit of God. Does the church today quench the Spirit of God? Number two, he says, never grieve the Spirit of God. When we grieve the Spirit of God is that when we hear from the Lord and we fail to do what God has commissioned us to do, and it breaks the heart of God when precious souls slip into eternity of hell not knowing the truth. If the church only realized what a great commission Jesus gave us, but not did he give us only a great commission, he gave us the authority and the power from on high, directly from his Father in heaven, to execute all his will on this earth. And when we fail that, when we fail that, we quench the Spirit of God. We grieve the Spirit of God. Grieving the Spirit of God. God sheds tears. I heard an example on the quenching of the Spirit of God. You take a water hose, and you take a water hose, and you bend it in the center, and you hold your hand on it. You had good water till you did that. Did you know that you can squeeze that so tight till you can cut off every drop of water? But when you release it, in other words, if you don't no longer quench it, you don't restrict the flow. Is the church guilty of restricting the flow of the Holy Spirit of God? That's why we don't need a program church. We just need God. We need the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We don't need to hear from man. If you leave here today and you've heard from me, I have failed, and you have failed also. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit, not what man or woman says, but let him hear what thus saith the Spirit of the Lord. Yes, Pentecost was associated with a revelation that was given upon Sinai. A revelation fell on this earth. You know, from Sinai, um, what, the Pentecost was, what, 1,500 years. And then from Pentecost to now is another 2,000 years. So 3,500 years of Pentecost on this earth, what are we doing? 3,500 years, that's plenty enough change to change everything of time, isn't it? But in other words, you know, you look at that and it talks about that, as my wife said earlier about Moses, I'm not going in all of that. Also in the book of Ruth, Ruth mentions it that it's the barley or the wheat offering which represents the souls that were saved. Go back to Exodus where they were let out of bondage and the, first, the firstborn was you know, the blood was applied, and that household lived. So in other words, when we look in chapter 2, we begin to see a transformation, and that's what we need today. Not just a transforming, but a transformation of the body of Christ, the church, God's church. We need to be what God would have us to be today. In Acts 2, uh, he teaches us, I'm not going there because of time, that the 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 Lord sent the Holy Spirit as was prophesied in the days of Joel. Acts, he teaches us too, starting at verse 16, going through verse 21. But then also we go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Ezekiel, and Ezekiel prophesied in the 36th chapter that the Spirit of the Lord would be promised unto us through by God. That I do want to, re I want to read to you this morning in Ezekiel, the 36th chapter. 
uh, I want to go to verse 26, and listen, listen what he says. A new heart also will I give you. You see, with the old spirit, I didn't have a, a new heart. I had, I had a wicked heart. A new spirit would I put within you. In other words, God is going to renew our spirit, renew our mind, renew us. And I'll take away that stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. But look at 27. I will put my spirit where? Within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments, and ye shall do them. Not only will you keep my judgments, but you will do my judgments. Not only will you hear me, you will obey me. Like on Sinai, when God spoke to Moses in the midst of that fire, on the day of Pentecost, in the upper room of those 120 men and women that was gathered there, God once again, God once again spoke unto those people. What I love so much about this fascinating story that history covers it because the Bible said it just cannot be thick enough to contain everything that our Lord Jesus himself has done for us. But as they left that upper room, as the Holy Spirit had fallen upon them and they began to speak with another tongue, they begin to walk themselves outside into the streets. And as they walk down the streets of Jerusalem, people was hearing them speak unto them in their own national language. Now, may I bear with some people again. They, there is two tongues. There is a tongue which is the spiritual tongue which you pray to your heavenly Father, which is the Spirit of the Lord. But then there's a tongue that God gives unto you that you may speak unto people. This is the tongue that God gave unto them there that day. So the Word of God. See, the whole initial evidence and purpose for all of this is one thing, my friend. Spread the gospel. Spread salvation. That's the whole point of it. To give us authority over Satan, the works of this world, the spirit of this world, the Antichrist. Give us authority over him, but it also the power to rebuke him and go to an individual and tell them about Jesus and tell them about God's love and tell them that Jesus Christ wants to save them. Be able to do it in their, because if you did it in any other language, they would not be able to understand you. Why on the great crusade that when I was in Mexico and I was speaking in three churches in Mexico, I had an interpreter because I don't know Spanish. And I had an interpreter in those services. And, the, you know, the unique thing about in it, sometimes, you know, I get fired up a little bit sometimes. And I was outrunning my interpreter. Friends, let's not outrun God. One of the most important things that Jesus told us is to wait on him. I'm just scratching this this morning. There is so much about Pentecost. I mean real, true Pentecost. Not what man has designed and made up. Real Pentecost, my friend. Luke expressed universally in the book of Acts. He shared with us the Holy Spirit of God. But in John 14, there's some very important things. Because I'm not going to read it, but uh, if you're watching I'm, I'll, uh, through however this morning or you want to get a CD, you may. 
So I'm going to give you the scripture so you can check it out later. But the Bible says in John 14, verses 11 through 14, that Jesus Christ was going to do some exciting things. What did he say? In verse 16, he said he would abide. Remember Jesus said, I'll never leave thee to forsake thee. I'll be with you always. How did he do it? Why did he say it's expedient that I go back to the Father? Because until he went back, there was two things that needed to be done. Not just one, but two. He had to offer the blood on the mercy seat. He'd already done that. He'd already done that. But he must also send back the comforter. He had not done that. And that what he was why he would abide in you forever. I can't wait. We're singing, I can't wait for that resurrection day that the spirit and power of God rises us up from the dead and we will be raised incorruptible before the presence of the Almighty God receiving a new body. Verse 12, he said, you would be able to do, I'm talking about power, not authority, power. He would abide in you to give you the authority, but then he goes on to say, you would be able to do greater works. Lord, how will I ever be able to do greater works? You know you don't want me doing greater works than you. I do because it's going to point to me. Jesus was limited on this earth. He could only be at one place at one time. But now Jesus is unlimited through by the kingdom building of his church. What he was saying is we would be able to do greater works because he would go to his Father and send back the Holy Spirit of God to give us the authority and empower us to go out in this world today all over the world and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the language that people can understand. The Bible says also in verse 17, he dwelleth within you. He dwelleth within you. And he shall be in you. He shall be in you. Hallelujah. In Luke 24, starting at verse 45 through 49, there's a word that I want to pick up there this morning and pay very special attention to. And what is it? He said, Terry, tell you have been endued with power on high. What was Jesus saying? Wait! No, Jesus said, when you've done everything you can do, what did God tell us? He said, just stand there. I'll take care of the rest of you. Just stand. He said, I want you to go into Jerusalem. My friend, listen to me. Ten days they waited in that upper room for the promise of God. We see what happens when we become impatient. Abraham and Sarah became impatient with the promise that God had made unto them. And we see the results. Ishmael and Hagar. That wasn't God's plan. That was Sarah and Abraham's plan. That's why I say in in the church's movements today, we get out of the plan of God, not waiting on the Lord. We start speaking things and doing things in our own manner And God is nowhere around any of this thing. He said, I want you to tarry. Why is it so important to be infilled with the Spirit of God? Because He will direct you. He will give you the revelation of God. That you need to pray to the Lord. 
But when you pray, you need to pray for a revelation from God. You need to study the Word of God. But when you study the Word of God, you need to study that you will receive an interpretation. And the Spirit of the Lord is the one that gives us our interpretation. The Spirit of the Lord is the one that gives us the revelation. Same revelation that He gave to Moses, He wants to give to His church today. Same revelation He gave to Paul, to Peter, to John, He wants to give to you and I today. The same revelation that He gave to Ruth, Ladies, he wants to give to you today. It is a revelation from God. The same revelation, ladies, that he gave to Esther, he wants to give it to you today. Because I believe with all my heart, all of us here, we have been created by an awesome God for such a time as this. We are in an end time movement like our world has never known before. And we're about to be on the brinks of cracking one of the greatest revivals that our world has ever known before. A revival that will be greater than the one that was in Toronto. Greater than the one that was in Isuzu. Greater than the one that was in Australia. Greater than any revival. It will be like the revival of the past when God poured out His Spirit the very first time upon His people, His church, and they turned this world upside down. Our world needs an upside down revival. It needs to be turned around and turned up and stood before the presence of the Lord. It needs to hear the word of God spoken, not compromising, but spoken with the authority and power that God has given it to reach this dying world today. Acts. He says in verse 48 of Luke 24, you shall be a witness of these things. I watch TV ministry a lot of times and I hear, can I have a witness? I wonder if those people know what a witness is. They may get a preacher, an amen witness or a witness, but is it a witness before the Lord? Jesus says, you will be a witness of these things. You will be witness of these things, these greater things I'm telling you about, he says. Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 4 through five. I'll read just a little bit. Being assembled together, dropping down, but wait for the promise of the Father which he has heard of me. We have to assemble ourselves. Hebrews 10, 10 is of 25. Fail not to assemble yourselves together and even much more so when you see that day that's approaching. And the Bible says that they were assembled together as the Lord had commanded for 10 days. They had waited. We, the church, needs to patiently wait on the Lord. We have no patience. Because, listen, church, five, truly, John baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. He is talking about the Holy Ghost of fire because they had already been breathed on by Jesus. They had already had the evidence of the first spirit of God living within to make them triune man. They had been breathed on by Jesus personally. Now they needed the infilling. They needed the authority of what God breathed of God was in their life to be. And he goes on in verse 7 and says unto them, Is it not for you to know the time for the season which the Father has put his own power, his own power? But look at 8, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then you will become a witness for me in Jerusalem, in Judea, 
in Samaria and to the othermost parts of this world. I look at verse 4 of Acts 1. What did he say? He says, wait for the promise. I look at verse 8. Why? Because he said it will give you the power to witness. I'm getting ready to come to a close. Give me five minutes. Acts 2. Acts 2. I could read the first eight verses. They're very important. Because it says when the day of Pentecost had fully come. We're going to have a, a day that's going to fully come, church. We're going to have that day. But I just want to close out by telling you, uh, I listened to Joyce Myers. She was on the Pentecostal, and I was listening to her, and she, and she said to her thoughts, she said, the thing that will bring us where we need to be is unity. Well, we have not unity because we have denominational failures. We even have failures within our own bodies to unify in unity. The Bible said that when that day had fully come, church, listen. There's going to come a day fully, but it's not going to come until we're unified because we are one body, we are one mind of one spirit of one awesome God. We may be many people with many members, but we're only one body, and we are the body of the living God. I'm trying to hurry. Listen to what he says here. Verse 1, one accord, unity, unity. Unity. We are aligning ourselves. I believe it with all my heart. When I turn the news on and when I look at not only Christian broadcasting but secular broadcasting the news, look at we talk about a pandemic of this virus. We got a pandemic in our world today of of, of crooks, of thieves, of murderers, of adulterer worship. Our world is filled today with a greater pandemic than the virus. You know, you could have the virus and die outside of Jesus, but if, you, but if Jesus isn't with you, it's not going to help you. But you could have a virus and die within Jesus, and if Jesus is with you, he can help you. It, it, it's going to be a Holy Ghost, a Holy Spirit movement of God. It won't be what a man or a woman is suggesting, this is what I think we need to do, but it'll be a revelation that comes from God to his God-man or God-woman and teaches them and tells them what needs to be done. And it's going to be based on a relationship that we have with God. Now, I have one more scripture, and I want to share it with you. Because, you see, God has given us the authority. God has given us the power, for the battle is ours. Because he has given it to us, not because we won this thing. You see, God is fighting for us. Acts chapter 2, verse 37, I want to share with you how important it is that this come about. Now, when they heard these, they were pricked in their hearts. They said to Peter, the rest of the apostle men, brethren, that was, what shall we do? Your next door neighbor needs to be asking you, my friend. The person, the man or woman that's working with you on your job site needs to be asking you. Somebody in your community needs to be asking you, what must I do to be saved? And then you'll have the opportunity, verse 38, to say, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And then you'll be able to receive the gift of God, which is 
the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 39 again. For the promise is unto you and to your children that are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Two more verses. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation, crooked generation. 41. Then they gladly received his word. They were baptized that same day, and 3,000 souls were saved. I've just scratched the surface. That's all I've done this morning, my friend. But I've left you with a thought in your mind. You need the Holy Spirit of God in your life to the max. He's more than just coming here this morning. He's more than just reading your Bible periodically. He's more than saying a prayer at night before you go to bed or say a prayer in the morning when you rise. He is your authority. He is your power. He will give you the revelation of what you pray for and what you read about in the Word of God. Remember the Ethiopian that was reading out in the desert and God pulled a man out of the midst of a great revival? He'll do that for you, my friend. Send him to that man and ask him, do you know what you're reading? My friend, I'm afraid a lot of people would read the Word. They don't know what to read it. And he said, how except I have an interpreter? My friend, brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit is your interpreter. You need not another God. You need not another Savior. You need not another Spirit. He is Father and Son and Holy Spirit all in one. And He has come. I'd like for us to commune together this morning before we dismiss. There's two, there's one flap. Somebody asked me about this, and on this, there's two, there's one flap. Pull the top one first, and then you'll have the way. Then go back to the same part and pull the second one, and then you'll have the juice. Okay? This communion that we do, I said we're doing things different. This represents the body of Jesus Christ, which was broken for you and I. A body that hung betwixt heaven and earth. A divine betwixt heaven and hell. That man's eyes may look upon him. He was bruised. He was wounded for our sins, our iniquity. And the chastisement. The chastisement that should have been on you and I was placed upon him. So his body was beaten beyond recognition. Not one bone was ever broken in his body. But yet he said, I am the bread of life. And as we eat this together, remember, he is your bread of life. He also not only break bread with his followers, he also communed with them as he poured. And he said unto them that he would not anymore until... Friends, I'm waiting till that day that we will be with him, our Father, his glorious Son, our Savior, and the glorious Spirit of God in heaven one day, sitting down at the table of the Lord, communing there in the presence of the Lord. We will have the fresh fruit of the blind because we see here he shed his blood here on earth for the remission of sin, and therefore he carried it to the mercy seat of God sprinkled his blood upon it. It was accepted by the Father. So through by the blood of Jesus Christ, we have cleansing of our sins and we have been reinstated to God. With this blood that he shed, we have been made whole. Let's drink it together. Fathers, we close this service this morning. We need to get real, real in the Word of God. We need to learn all about you, all about your son Jesus and all about your glorious Holy Spirit. We don't need to be Bible readers. We need to be Bible leaders. 
We need to be able to lead people in the truth, but we need the authority and power of the Holy Spirit of God. We need to be saved. In order to commune with you, we have to be saved. In order to receive the Holy Spirit of God, we have to be saved. He will enter into our life. Father, there's someone here today under my voice. I pray that the Holy Spirit has pricked their heart. They learned today that they can repent of whatever. Maybe they are, are backslidden or maybe they're just unconcerned. Father, today, may the Holy Spirit prick their hearts, not just shaken their minds, and make them alive with you. Be with us, Father. Protect each one that is here. Spread your eagle wings of protection upon every family, every child, every spouse. Protect them as only you can. Thank you for this glorious day, this day of Pentecost. Thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost of God in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may exit this morning out the front door here to the right. Thank you for coming and being with us. Stay on our website as you watch us on Facebook and YouTube. Stay on and look at the changes we're making, the things we're doing for the glory of God. Thank you for being here today. You're always welcome to be at us. Thanks for worshiping with us this week. We believe his words will establish that confidence within you and direct you for his predestined purpose for your life. See you next week, and don't forget to download our app so you can stay connected with us.